0: Phase one was the hypnotism. That's how they sedate you. Phase two is is this, mental preparation. It's basically a psychological pre-op. Pre-op. Yeah. For phase three, the transplantation.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is, wait, you haven't seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 238. And the movie this week, as we continue Spooktober, was Get Out from 2017. And joining me, as they are all month, it's the crew from Gore, the wicked kitten always getting into trouble, Monica.
2: (laughs) Hi, I'm Wicked. How
1: are you? All right, Stepford Wicked. (laughs) Also joining us is uh, the wonderful Faye.
3: Hi,
1: hi. And from an undisclosed location, it's Dredd. Well, hello, everyone. (laughs) All right, so Get Out, uh, written and directed by Jordan Peele. I had not seen this before. Uh, I wanna go around and find out who the rest of the three of you had seen it, starting with Faye. Had you seen this before? Yes. Okay. I saw
3: it back in twenty seventeen.
1: So you did you see it in theaters or
3: No, I did not. Just okay. when it released.
1: Gotcha. Dredd, how about you? Had you seen this one before? Um, based well technically
0: I have, but it's I, I've only seen it like a couple of months ago for the first time.
1: Okay, Somebody so, forced so Kind <laughs> And Wicked, how about you?
2: I've seen this probably about five or six times, but I did not watch it in the theater shortly after on television. You know, that kind of thing.
1: Remember television? Okay. Yeah. Ah, yes. So, so none of us had seen this in the theater. So I vaguely remember this coming out in theaters. It was popular. It did well. But for some reason, like its original theatrical run just sort of passed me by i think it was released in february which may have been part of it um
3: yeah not a fun time for us
1: (laughs) no no not really um and and so like i just sort of got out of sight out of mind and then i found out later on oh jordan peele made a horror movie and after that you know it was i'd heard of and i saw trailers for like us and his other movies that he had made but I just never got around to watching this. And um, I mean, is was that sort of the same for everybody else? Did, did the theatrical run, did you know about it ahead of time? Wicked? Like, was it something that you knew was coming out and you just weren't <laughs> going to the movie? So you didn't go see, or um, we're just going to wait.
2: I'm not like, I wasn't, um, I'm not like you guys, you guys seem to go to the movies a lot. I, I rarely really went maybe like, once a month or I'd go to see the Fathom things when there would be like old movies in the theater. So it, it's not like I regularly went to the movies anyway. I usually wait until it's streaming or something. Cause I'm cheap.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Dread. how about you? Was this one that just like slipped you by or. Um, I've heard of it. Like
0: when, when it came out, but then I also mm. read the synopsis and it was not something that. I was interested in, I guess. So I kind of like skipped it. And then the sequel, well, not the sequel, his second movie. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Sorry. It's late. <sighs> uh, Us came out, uh, same thing. Like, the, the things didn't speak to me. So I kind of didn't think about watching the first one because, you know, it's like, meh. Mm-hmm. But then uh, someone forced me to watch them. Yes. And, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Spoiler okay. I like them a
3: lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, and, and it was one of those where I'm kind of mad at myself for waiting five years uh, plus to see this movie because I really liked it. This is, it is hard to believe this is a feature directorial debut from anyone uh, at all. Like it's that good of a movie. And, and I've seen some really good feature debuts in the last couple of years um, that have kind of blown my mind. Uh, the one, the first one that comes to mind for me is Hereditary. As a debut feature, was such a well-crafted movie, and for this to be somebody's first film, and then on top of that, and look, I understand that you know creators can work in all sorts of different genres, but Jordan Peele was not known for horror at all. Really, he was a straight comedy guy, and uh, for him to write and direct this, it's phenomenal. For anybody to do that, for somebody for it to be their first movie is really good. And then I read that he started this script in like 2009 or so was when he first started writing it. And from what he was saying in an interview, he didn't write this as I want to make a movie out of this script. It was more of he started writing this screenplay as kind of a catharsis and sort of a almost like a therapeutic thing because it was right after the election of Obama. And he was hearing all sorts of people, mostly uh people that have no business even saying things, that you know, racism is over, right? Because we elected a black president and that <laughs> that's it. That did, did it. It did yep. got rid of racism, which of course is horse shit. But yeah. Um, but he started writing this to to also work through some of his own stuff. And so it it kind of works in a way like it wasn't meant to be a project to make into a movie, but then years later, he sort of decided, you know what? This is probably the right time to make this movie. And I, I think that's cool because there, you, you can feel the, the kind of personal weight in the script. Go ahead, Faye.
3: No, I was agreeing.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so I just think that that's a, that's a very, very interesting part of it. And then on top of that, for him to cast, This cast is amazing and he, it's always the sign to me of a good director, not just to get good performances from, from good actors, but to get good performances across the board. Like nobody, nothing, none of your actors are phoning anything in. They all seem like they're on the same page and, uh, everything in your movie is clicking to me. That's a really good director. And boy, did he have that going with this cast? Uh, this cast is incredible. And it's a shame that Daniel Kalu- uh, Kaluuya, I think is how you pronounce yeah, it, right? Kaluuya. Yeah, It's a shame that he uh, he wasn't able to win the Academy Award, uh, but he did get nominated for it. He was up against Daniel Day Lewis, Denzel Washington, Gary Oldman, and Timothy Chalamet. So, some pretty acting heavyweights going after uh, the Oscar that year. But he is so good in this. Um, yeah. How familiar were you with him prior to seeing this Wicked?
2: I uh, didn't know him at all. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, how about an either dread or Faye, Were you familiar with Daniel Kaluuya um, at all prior to this movie? No. Uh,
0: if, if you're telling, if you're going to tell me what he was in, maybe I'll be like, oh, I've seen that,
1: <laughs> but I would not remember him or previous to this movie i can't think remember him from uh from the uh black panther he was in that Uh,
2: was that before this
1: no black panther was the next year
2: 2018 oh okay i yeah okay
1: um (laughs) and that's that's the thing that i remember him from the most Cause you
2: said previously, that's why I'm like, no, I don't remember him from anything before this.
1: No, previous ahead. to this, um, he had been in, uh, Johnny English, I think. Oh, um, or Johnny <laughs> I English. I that movie. I want to say, um, but like he's most known, this was kind of the breakout one. He also did, um, an episode of Black Mirror. Hmm. Um, I've never watched
0: Black in 2015.
1: Mirror. And uh, that was apparently a big one. Um, sorry. My I have to watch them out. again. Yeah. I, that... I don't remember which episode it was, uh, but he is in that. Uh, and then he is also um, Black Panther, Judas and the Black Messiah. He was in um, yeah. worked again with Jordan Peele and Nope uh, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty good one. Um, but he's just, uh, he is phenomenal in this movie. Um, I cannot get over how good he is, uh, in this movie. And, um, yeah, he had done, you know, uh, worked with, um, Jordan Peele again. And, uh, but he's just, he's so good in this movie. He's also, um, does some voice work in Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse right towards the end of it, um, as Hobie Brown, uh, or not, not towards oh. the end of it. He's uh spider punk. Yeah. Hobie. Um, and he's just—he's great, and in this, he just nails it all the way through. Uh, there isn't a bad scene with him at all. Um, but the whole cast is like that. I mean, everybody, like like Keith Stanfield, starts the movie off in an awesome opening for the movie and an awesome one-shot single take that they did, um, which. You know, there's a nice flex for somebody who's making their directorial debut, and he starts his movie off with like a two minute and eleven second long take um, of Lakeith Stanfield walking down a street. Right, and uh, I love the movements. I love the camera movement as the car drives by. So they do a a, like a synced pan with the car was really cool. Did anybody else get feeling of the neighborhood from Halloween? Where he yeah, was walking. It was,
3: yeah, it was kind of the, the small town.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: Small town, mid-America. Mid
1: because it's supposed to be... I guess the movie is meant to take place in New York and upstate New York. Even though they shot it in Alabama. Um, it's meant to be... Because they talk about uh, Andre, Lakeith Stanfield's character, being from Brooklyn. And he's mentioning uh, being in a suburb but taking the train. So the idea is that it's like upstate New York is where her family lives. Um, but oh. I really loved, like, I love that opening scene and there's, there's little things in there filmmaking wise that uh, I noticed, especially on, cause I watched this twice and like, so <laughs> he's walking down the street, he's talking to somebody on the phone, right. And then he hangs up the phone. We get the car driving by turning around. And as you, as I'm watching this, I'm like, Oh, Oh, I, I, oh, this this isn't going to go well for this guy when that car starts to turn around. And when he stops and he's just like, screw this and turns around, starts walking the other direction, which is great. Uh, but when he starts to get out into the street, like he's going to cross the street, there's a really great moment right before the camera actually pans and you see the car has the door open where the music that was playing from inside the car suddenly gets a little bit louder and a little clearer. And he's having the realization that the door is open before he sees that it's open. Like, oh, crap. And I love that. Like, that's such a small touch, but I love little things like that. And then to have the dude run up on him in a helmet and put him in a chokehold. I thought it was like a a biking helmet, like a biker's helmet or like a driving helmet at first. Because it's dark. It's hard to see. Uh, And then you find out later on, it's like a almost like a Knights Templar helmet, which I think is creepier. (laughs)
3: Yes, very much so. <laughs>
1: um, but Lakeith Stanfield in that scene is great, but then when he shows up again later in the movie is even better. When he shows up as Logan. Uh, and he's a, he's one of those guys that I'll watch in anything. Like, he's just phenomenal. Um, but for having effectively two scenes in the movie that he's a part of, and he's great in both of them. Like, it was just awesome. Uh, and then the whole family is like that. Bradley Whitford, uh, Allison Williams. Okay, question, Faye. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that you had uh, plenty of suspicions about everybody the first time you saw this movie. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> and and I'm not gonna say that I didn't, but what I was trying well, to figure out, like, I didn't trust the parents.
3: Oh no. Pretty much right away. <laughs>
1: the girlfriend.
3: I I trusted for a little bit and then went, yeah, no.
1: (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Um, Rose, it was before her actual turn and reveal uh, that I kind of picked up that she wasn't going to be who she said she was. But She was
3: trying too hard to keep him there. That's what tipped me.
1: Well, what the pictures are what tipped
2: me <laughs> the pictures were like oh oh shit yeah no no whoops no
1: what no, i wasn't no, no, sure no. about was no. is she in on it or is her is she like hypnotized by her mom every time and then they wipe that memory and she does it again and even up to the pictures i'm still like not 100 percent sure which direction we're going in i knew it was one of those two she's she's involved it's a question of is she involved against her will and the rest of the family's doing this thing, or is she just a crazy sociopath like them? And I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. And then that moment where she pulls the keys out (laughs) is, it's such a great flip for her character because she just pulls the keys out. Her whole face changes. And right after that's when she puts her hair up and she wipes her bangs to the side and physically changes into a different person. Yep, and I loved that.
2: I, you know, when I knew that she, she was just a sociopath, basically, is when she's sitting there eating the Fruit Loops and drinking the glass of milk. I was like, you don't trust people who drink full glasses of milk. That's just not oh, something. Her, to do. Her,
1: her like that whole scene was just
2: that. friggin' weird. <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: Yes, well, she reveals who she is before that, but that scene is really interesting because it's the whole like she's going to keep the the cereal separate from the milk which is a very very strange way to to take that in uh on top of i did watch a great thing it was uh, jordan peele going over fan theories for his for this movie and somebody on reddit had the fan theory of like well she's eating the colored cereal separately from the white milk and and all this he's he's like yeah yeah that's not very subtle that's kind of what i was going for there (laughs) um but she's just she's so good and so convincing throughout the movie for most of it uh, and fade to your point you're right she does try a little too hard to keep him there but then when she has the flip of like fine let's get out of here that's where that was the scene that had me questioning all right which direction are we going in is she knowingly part of this or not because that was the point where normally I feel like that would have been the scene where she reveals who she is because we that's intercut with the whole bingo thing going on in the auction uh, for mm-hmm. for uh, Chris. So like I'm conditioned to think of that as being the moment where she's going to have her reveal and she doesn't there. So that was why I just had that question. I'm like, okay, so which, which direction are we going in here? And I like the way they went with it because I think it, it's a more compelling story if she is part of it. So, but her, Allison Williams is just great throughout. Um, Everybody's, uh, Catherine Keener is Missy, the mom. I love the uh, hypnosis scene. It's so well done when he comes in from outside. Um, Because you're not, I wasn't, when she first calls him out and says, come on in and sit down and talk to me. I'm not thinking anything of it uh really, and even the the part of it is like, well, this is also your girlfriend's mom, like you're gonna try and sort of put your best face forward and 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 go along with whatever she has to do uh and it's like a third of the way into that scene, I was like, oh no, she's hypnotized him already like it's already he's already lost, and he doesn't even realize it yet when she right as she starts scraping that spoon around uh in the cup,
3: yeah, yeah. That scrape, yes.
1: <laughs> well, it's meant to. It's T-S-M-R. It's meant T-A-S-M-R.
2: To... T-A-S-M-R. T-A-S-M-R.
3: That's too many mm-hmm. letters now. But. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's just, you want to strangle the person that's doing that.
0: <laughs> you can't not, not. move. You can't right? move.
2: No, she means scraping the spoon on the bottom of the teacup.
0: Oh well, yeah, yeah. But you're hypnotized and you yes, can't move that. so you can't
1: strangle them. Aha. Yeah, exactly. You're done. Um but that whole scene is great and the the way it ends where she just says sink into the floor and he tries to fight it that one last time and they they modulated her voice just a little bit on mm-hmm. sink. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the image of him falling into the sunken place and I, like that gave me chills the first time when she does that because and and part of it is that modulation, but it was just so well done, um, and yeah, it was a great scene. Bradley Whitford as Dean, uh, just giving him the tour of the house, cracked me up because he's laying it on so thick. Um, I did okay. So another another great one of the uh, fan theories was, uh, and this was a lot of fun to watch the video of Jordan Peele because he's reading it, and uh, it's when they're walking past the basement and the dad says you know the well we had to seal that off because there's black mold down there <laughs> and uh somebody on reddit was like oh black mold like a black person being the mold to put another person's consciousness into and jordan peele in the video kind of looks up and he's like yeah yeah that's exactly okay, what i was yeah. going for perfect
0: <laughs> are we sure he's not adapting the, these theories and he's like oh Oh yeah. I
1: definitely meant it. Yeah. That's exactly what he was doing. He's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) That's 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 exactly what I meant. Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's so like that whole, it's just the character of Dean laying it on so thick, right? Like he immediately starts talking about other people's cultures and he shows them the picture of his grandfather and you're just like, all right, dude, I don't trust you at all. (laughs) Like not one bit. Um,
2: but the and yet idea that's to white people are
1: <laughs> well, and it was from from what I was reading and, and listening to interviews with Jordan Peele and him talking about this movie, and he wanted it to not he wanted it to be though the, the uh, like white liberal looking people because that's where some of it can be the worst, right? Um, and so well, not the, the worst is just as bad in some ways worse because it's under the veil of not being bad. It's, it's disingenuous. Yeah,
2: I, I'm going to say that the right side racism is always going to be worse. I'm, I'm standing on that side.
1: I mean, it's not it ever following. going to be yeah. better <laughs> ever. Like it's yeah, not going to be the don't. lesser evil, but it's the way to, to do it this way where it's not the overt classic quote unquote racism. Um, because like the whole party scene and uh, Daniel Kaluuya um, talked about that scene and like how he's been in those situations and he's he's bad at those parties and that was a scene that was very effective for him because of having gone through that. Um, and to have it sort of this thin veil of like no, 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 we like you. Oh, no, we're fine with everything. There's the whole like the way Rose tells him in the in the apartment, you know, Oh, my dad would have voted for Obama for a third time. And then his dad, her dad says exactly that. (laughs) Yeah. Like they've practiced this and, you know, we're using, we're using this. And yet all the people at the party, Um, I did love that everyone at the party, except for Logan and Daniel were wearing red. Everybody else at the party that was interested in the idea of the whatever process they were going through wore red. Uh, Daniel wore blue. Logan was wearing blue because like his hat had a blue band on it. And there were people that didn't have any red on them and they were sort of neutral, like the Japanese man um, who was was curious about it. He didn't have any red on. He was wearing all black. So it's kind of neat like symbolism there. And that anybody that's interested in this process is wearing red, um, which I, I didn't think of the first time I saw it. But when I was watching it the second time, I noticed that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but you have like all this. And then he here's Daniel in this uncomfortable situation, followed up directly by him running, you know, talking to uh, Stephen Root's character, Jim Hudson, the blind one. And that's great because now you're setting this up as like this guy's more of an ally because he's separate from everybody else and he's kind of calling them out on what they're doing and sort of a false, you know, it's a red herring to make you feel a little bit more comfortable about him. Uh, and, and he's one of the worst because he not only is in on the whole thing, but he's in on the whole thing for the worst possible reasons because he just wants his eyes. He somehow thinks that the, the photography that Daniel can do will translate like, it's his physical eyes that will do it, which I think is really weird. Um, well, that to be able to see again. Eh. Sure, to be able to see again. But, like, but yeah.
2: Well, because they're melding together, so there's always going to be a little bit of Daniel, and Daniel has the artistic eye, so it does kind of correlate there.
1: It does, in a way, but it's, it's pretty surface level, because as he says to him, you know, you're going to be a passenger. You're basically just going to be along for the ride. I'm gonna be controlling. But there's everything.
2: still pieces of him there.
1: But even like the other old man asking him about his golf game, you know, at first blush it sounds like just making small talk and like this is the only thing I know how to talk about, but no, he's sizing him up to see if he's worth bidding on. Because if he's mm-hmm. any good at golf, well I can turn you into a best golfer. Or uh Jeremy, the brother, talking about MMA. <laughs> uh and wanting to I hate to- the brother. So he oh, is a terrible, was... terrible character.
2: Yeah, terrible yeah, human you, being. Too. You can
1: tell by his mustache. Sorry, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's oh, how yeah. you tell people are terrible. Mustaches. Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing about him, so Caleb Landry Jones plays Jeremy, who I remember from X Men First Class. He played Banshee oh, in that. Terrible. And uh, and <laughs> no, no you're wrong there. X Men First Class is good. So, but anyway, I mean this character. Um, but but Jeremy Jeremy is such a, a terrible character but the thing about him that's that is kind of interesting is he's the only one that really isn't trying to put up any kind of a facade like he's not pretending to be super friendly he's not really pretending like he he's I mean he even looks at the dad at one point and says like you had your chance and it's meant I think there's there's a lot of double meanings in what people say throughout this movie. Um, and in that part, like I read that as initially you can hear that and be like, yeah, you had your chance in the conversation. But really he's talking more about like taking Daniel and using Daniel is what it felt like to me. But he just, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And that's right down to the way he collects people, which I like that. Jeremy's mode of collection is... Less uh, less pleasurable, I think, is the way that it got framed.
2: Yep. Well, I would say so. I mean, <laughs> Daniel got to hook up with uh, Allison yeah. or whatever. At least he got you know, four or
1: five months of what he thinks was a, a pretty good relationship before before they were going to kill him. Or, you know, not kill him, but take his body over. Um, but, no, Jeremy, you know, also you get, uh, you get Chekhov's jujitsu uh, explanation. Talking about how it's like, uh, how it's like chess and moving three three moves ahead and all that, but but I like too. You know when he uh, when he goes around the table and he's getting ready to play fight with him, and Danger's like, "Look, I make it a rule not to play fight with drunk people," which is a good rule, yeah. by the way. It's a very good rule, totally. <laughs> um, and then when the mom scolds him and he backs away and he says like, "Well, I wasn't going to hurt him." Again, the first time you watch it, it doesn't have the same meaning. When you watch it a second time, it's like, "No, no, no, I'm not going to damage the goods. Don't worry, yeah, <laughs> and like everything dealing with his smoking is thinly veiled is like we we want you to be healthier and not smoke around our daughter. No, no, no we just don't want you damaging your body because we're gonna use it,
3: <laughs> and He's, it gives them a way to put in for the hypnosis,
1: yeah. Um. Okay, Walter and Georgina, grandma and grandpa. Uh, They are amazing in this, though, because they are so (laughs) damn creepy. Like, Marcus Henderson's Walter, when he's, when there's that shot of him when he walks up on him chopping wood, and he turns around, and then the smile he gives, and the fact that, like, they're old people trapped in these bodies, so they don't know how to act like the young people, which is always, you know, a joke like, hey, fellow kids or whatever. They don't even know how to use the right terminology at all. They don't even fake it well. But his smile is so creepy. He gives him that smile and calls Rose a uh, what does he call her a damn fine catch or something like that? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's yeah, pulling out all the yeah.
2: something like that.
1: Yeah, keeper. That was one. Uh <laughs> a real damn keeper.
2: Which is creepier and, when you know <laughs> that it's grandpa.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Um and when uh when Daniel says to uh or when Chris says to Georgina, you know, I wasn't gonna snitch on you when she comes into the bedroom to confess that she was unplugging his phone and she doesn't she doesn't know what snitch means, but she knows tattletale. Tattletale.
2: Tattletale. Yes. That was a game show well, back but, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm.
1: And her smile oh, yeah. is creepy as
0: well. Her, not me. Her, yes, smile,
2: her smile is, is uh, the creepiest thing.
0: Yeah. Ever. And this is way before the movie smile. Let's fix yeah. that. Yeah.
2: She's just like that scene where she's just like, no, 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 no. And she's giving you this look while tears are streaming out of her eyes. It is one of like the most, even this time watching it, it's just like, that's chill
1: yes yeah, so the duality it's yeah horrible because well and you
2: that's, know it now you know what it is now when you watch it the yeah. second third mm-hmm. fourth
1: time when you watch it after the fact and you realize it's like it's two personalities fighting in there it's just that for whatever reason it seems like georgina and grandma uh had more difficulty um taking than anybody else right because like there's a scene where she comes out and pours the tea where she sort of stops halfway through and it almost seems again, like, like the real Georgina is kind of about to surface, but then is, is pushed back down. And that's what I got from that. No, 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 no stuff was like, or even leaving that door open. Cause the, the little half door closet thing where she, where he finds the pictures, that door kept getting left open. And I think that was like okay. Georgina leaving that open. And then grandma, Uh, having to come by and sort of grandma was the one unplugging the phone and and all of that so yeah she was betty gabriel played georgina and she was so good and that introduction to her where they come into the kitchen the whole idea of uh you know my mom loved her kitchen so we keep a piece of her in
3: here yeah and and then it pans to her
1: yeah Yeah. pans to her and she's just standing in the middle of the kitchen not doing anything just waiting for them Freaking standing there like Hannibal Lecter. It was creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, so many things you pick up on your second and third watches.
1: Yeah. My, yeah, my a, favorite a, scene. A, yes.
2: Which we will call the get-out scene that is the second and third time. Even now, watching it is just so much creepier than it was the first time. Like, so much just like when he walks up and he's just like get out get out and it's just like oh my god it wasn't he wasn't trying to hurt him he was trying to warn him there's a warning
1: well and so what's cool about that is you can read that scene in a couple of different ways too is he yelling get out at chris to like get out of here before they get you is he yelling at the personality of logan to get out of his head yeah. You know, I took it
2: as Daniel only because, uh, or Daniel, uh, his character, just because he was going towards him and looking at him.
1: Sure. And that is that is probably the most reasonable way that I would read it too. But you could, there, there is the possibility that he's yelling at, you know, the Logan personality that's inside him to get out as well. But I love the idea, the the image of right after the flash goes off on his camera and you get his pupils, like you see his eyes and the light in there. And then as it slowly fades and the change in his face uh, again, Lakeith Stanfield, just so good as Logan and then as Andre, just amazing to have so little screen time, but be so memorable in this movie uh, is impressive. And yeah, that is a great scene. It really, really is. Uh, can I just um, point out uh, while you're talking about not being in this
0: movie for a long time, but being memorable. Uh, the the true stars of this movie for me uh when he's talking to the blind guy Mm -hmm. uh, for the first time there uh in the background there's some people playing badminton or (laughs) trying to play badminton (laughs) they
1: are the worst i've
0: ever seen
1: it is kind of on that level of like the guy in quantum of solace who's supposed to be sweeping the the floor and you can (laughs) You can clearly see his broom is a foot and a half off the floor of wherever he's supposed to be sweeping. Like they were just like, yeah, do something in the background, and no one's going to see it anyway. It'll be out of focus, and mm-hmm. well, we know where yours are I, I eyes can't wants. not see that. That's just <laughs> no. That's funny. The the things that we look at and we latch on to. Um, there was even little things like uh, that whole party scene. So many things. You know, there's the guy talking about golf. There's the the woman who is like literally looking at him like a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. Like she's grabbing his arm. Oh, and yeah. what I and, didn't notice the first time, and I saw this the second time, is Rose looking at her and, and being like, stop. You're going too far. like And mouthing her name. Her name is um, Lisa. And you see... Rose actually say Lisa to like stop her from whatever you know path she's going down and I never noticed that the first time and when I'm watching it the second time cuz I'm paying more attention to Rose I see that and it's like wow that's a really subtle moment that again totally skates by you uh but it shows who she really is so that was interesting I didn't know for whatever reason I partially had this spoiled for me in that it was really hard to avoid it. If you, if you, you know, do any kind of reading or or watching on like top horror movies of the last decade and whatnot, this movie comes up a ton. So it was impossible to, to miss all spoilers. So I knew there was something to do with like personalities or, or consciousness getting transferred from one, you know, one body to another. But for some reason I thought that was like the hypnosis scene was going to be later in the movie and so when it was in the first third of the movie or so first half of the movie i didn't expect that so then i was like okay now i don't really know exactly where the story is going and how it's going to play out which i i really enjoyed uh because it was great and it's an hour what hour 45 i think runtime yeah and it's an hour into the movie before it's revealed that the whole family is in on everything. And then it's like the last 20 minutes is when Daniel's trying to get away. But the pacing on everything is so good that I didn't even realize that. Like by the time Daniel's strapped to that chair, there's only like 20 minutes of the movie left. 20, 25 minutes, something like that. Um, and you get so that then
3: lovely, lovely video.
1: <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> I love that. Especially. Here's the ending what of they're five. going to do. <laughs> And so that was something that I read was not part of the script originally, was to have that as a video, and he decided to do that later on. And it's, it's even creepier that way, if you think about it, because they had to take the time to produce that video to show to their victims every time. And yikes. Like, <laughs> these people are even more deranged than I thought. Uh, but it's such a good scene. Uh, The way he wakes up in the chair and then the TV just turns on and starts playing the video. I'd Uh, watch (laughs) that sitcoms. And so then when he wakes up the second time and it's not a video, it's not a a pre-recorded video, but um, Jim Hudson sitting there pre-op ready to to have his operation. Uh, That also, because Steven Root, like when I see Steven Root. Okay. Do you guys, are you all familiar with him?
2: Love Stephen McManus. He always pops up in cool things, though.
1: uh, Wicked. What is the thing you think of him from? Like, what's the first thing that pops to your mind with (sighs) Stephen?
2: Okay, so um, I know where you're going, but my first place is always is always this character he played in True Blood. But then I go to Office Space.
1: Okay. (laughs) No, I, I hear actually a lot of people that have seen True Blood say that. Um, so that's why I was curious. Um,
2: it's a very short, like stint on the, in that show. Like he's barely in a season, but like, he's just such a memorable character.
1: He is a memorable character actor. Dred, do you remember him like specifically from anything? Or is well, it just I sort assume of... I've seen him in true blood and I don't remember him <laughs> at all.
0: So yeah. he's not that memorable. Remember,
2: remember he was the vampire that, uh, Lafayette of... used to, you know, <laughs>
0: Uh, he's the friendly one?
2: Yeah, he was the friendly one.
0: Oh, I remember him now. There you go. And okay. then
2: Jason and his stupid girlfriend at the time.
1: Because <laughs> one that everybody thinks of him for is uh, Office Space, right? Mm-hmm. They, they took a the stapler, Milton and Office Space. Oh, okay. Uh, he was also, uh, as a voice actor, I always loved uh, his part in um, Finding Nemo as Bubbles. Just because it was just such a silly character, just the fish that screamed bubbles. <laughs> um, but he's he's incredibly funny. Yeah, but then he'll do stuff like this, and he's downright sinister in this, and cre- like he can get really creepy. Because he's just a
2: really good actor.
1: He really is. Um, I also love him in Oh Brother Where Art Thou as the blind uh, radio guy when they huh. when they go when uh when they go into the radio station and record I'm a man of constant sorrow he's the one running the radio station and he's blind in that so he has a thing for playing blind characters too mm-hmm. um and
2: oh he was in news radio too
1: yes yes that's another one that uh I remember him from
2: that's a good cast i got to rewatch that show
1: uh but he's just in this he just is so creepy in that last scene. Part of it too, shaved head in a hospital gown. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a look. Let's put it that way. But the way, just the way he says stuff. And I, I did capture a little bit of audio. I'll play of, of him uh, from that scene, but then to have, and of course they, they do signpost it pretty well, but I love the way Chris gets out of the chair or gets out of the whole situation with the cotton and eh, okay all right all right how
0: he does fine but once he bashes that one guy's head in well not fully half he takes them out of his ears there's still someone hip like
1: hypnotizing you there keep them in like yeah but he
3: took care of that
1: logically i get what you're saying however From a movie standpoint, you've got to have that moment of him pulling the cotton out of his ears and showing how he did what he did there.
2: Yeah. Sure, but as horror movie fans, we get mad at stuff like that.
1: But also, of course, obviously uh, very symbolic, right? The. Well, yeah. Picking cotton is what saved his life.
3: Uh Ha (laughs) ha.
1: Which, again, yep. somebody said in the Reddit thing, and Jordan feels like, uh-huh. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I did. We had to build a custom chair just so he could have Cotton there to pick. like. Um, but I did like that. I thought that was a cool way to get out of it. Because initially, like up until he stood up, I'm thinking, oh, crap. All right. So he's going to like fight him off when he gets into the wheelchair or something. And then... When the camera pans with Jeremy over to the, the IV and he's checking that, I'm like, oh, he got, oh, he put the cotton in his ears and didn't have to hear the sound. And he's faking. Brilliant. Um, and he, now here's my problem. You, Dred, you said how he, he only half bashed his skull in with the bocce ball. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to yeah. go with the fact that he totally did because the amount of blood that was coming out of <laughs> Jeremy's head, there ain't no way he's getting up let alone running around the house like that. I don't care how much adrenaline you got in you. Um, So even though it did lead to uh, a really great scene, the fight at the door, and he got to turn the... With with the best sound as well. Yeah. He uh, is brutal, is what that was. Um, But also the way he takes out Dean with the deer head, (laughs) in kind of a reverse jump scare. uh, I did enjoy this. I'm going to say this. There's only like two moments like that where it's jump scares in the whole movie. They both involve deer, surprisingly. (laughs) um, And I think they both work really, really well. uh, Because the first one, the one where they're driving up and the deer hits the car, um, is like the jump scare in the movie. And it worked because it didn't feel like it was cheaply done, it's a moment where they're they're actually having a conversation. and you could have had the scene without that, and it the scene play out just fine. But to have that there, I thought was I, I liked that one. plus it it got me because big, loud sound. And if you lived anywhere like I have, hitting deer is a real problem. Um, the fact that there was no damage to the car other than the mirror hanging off of it, is probably yeah. the least realistic part of that whole scene.
3: <laughs> they got lucky. <laughs>
1: that's a very strong windshield. There you
3: go.
2: I mean, windshields but, are strong.
1: Yeah, um, but it's a. It, and that's another scene that plays completely different the second time you watch it, when you know about what he went through with his mom getting hit by a car, and here he is actually making the effort to go at, and see what's going on with this deer. Like, it doesn't, it just seems like a uh, slightly strange scene the first time I watched it, but the second time had a lot more meaning to it because it was really important, which is why uh, I was like, it's a cool-looking shot with his, you know, boot stepping off the road onto the gravel as he walks over, but it plays completely different after you kind of know his backstory. Um, And then the second jump scare is uh, the great shot of Dean, like, looking down one way in the hallway. And turning and looking the other way. And then when he looks back, there's there's Chris running at him with the deer head. And spears him with it. And I liked that a lot. Because Dean deserved much worse than what he got. Um, My Chris favorite character
2: goes, in the movie, I'm going to say. Yeah? Rod. That's oh, it. Rod he stole great. the show for me. He's like the best thing.
1: <laughs> well, because he is... He is the every audience us. member ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not
2: just that, but he's like us, like horror fans. Like he knows, like mm-hmm. you don't do that. These are the rules. You know the rules.
1: I would. And, you you know, shouldn't have gone
3: to that house. Never go. I told you not to go to that house.
1: <laughs> he's great because, and this is Jordan Peele's comedy background coming into play. Right, he knows. He he knows to to cast somebody for because Rod is a comic relief character, but he's also an important character and let him ad label a lot of stuff. So it's very natural, very funny. Um, and it it also can play poignant with like the whole thing where he goes to the cops and he tells the cops about everything and they just don't believe him at all. That scene was great, by the way.
0: Just yes. uh, her being like, uh, wait, up, just wait a bit. I'll just be right seconds. back. And I just cut to the other cops being there. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> oh, and they don't they don't buy his story one bit. Uh, Plus the whole thing of like being TSA, and uh, and using his <laughs> TSA skills and his detective skills. Um. There was a different ending to the movie because after Daniel gets out, I do like again foreshadowing of the I don't want to get chased off the property with a shotgun, and then <laughs> sure enough, he gets chased off the property with the gun. Rifle, but as Jordan Peele said, having him say chased off the property with a rifle just didn't work well. Like Mm. it would have felt forced. So that's why he wrote it as shotgun, even though they were using a rifle. Um, But uh, are you familiar with the alternate ending for this? Anybody?
3: Yep. Yes.
1: Okay. Which uh, Faye? Which ending do you prefer?
3: The theatrical.
1: Okay wicked how about you theatrical dread yep same i do too but i it's a- like it's a it's a much happier ending first of all mm-hmm. <laughs> like um i do like the alternate ending i think it's an interesting yeah. ending to go with
2: it's, it's too a realistic. it's a much
1: it is too yeah. realistic that's for sure <laughs> um which is which was I mean as that scene is playing out which that end scene on the road is great when he when he hits grandma with the car as he's leaving the the property and he's sitting there yeah. and he's like don't do it don't do it don't get up but he can't like he can't just leave her there he it's like it's a thing so he he gets her in the car and then of course she freaks out at him and and they crash but then you know uh grandpa finally got to run someone down <laughs> again and that was a great one where uh that was another one where jordan peele had said yeah i had a uh, for a while in the script after he tackled him was gonna have walter say i finally beat you jesse and he's like that was just too much i couldn't i couldn't leave that in there so he took that line out but to have grandpa run him down and uh and then they bring back the flash the camera flash to to jolt him out of it because Chris is, Chris is a really smart character, right? He, he figures things out and he remembers what people say. He doesn't make dumb decisions, which is kind of nice to see in a horror yep. movie like this um, because he remembers like he picked up on, you know, Jeremy's tells in their fight as he's got him in the chokehold and used that against him. And he remembered what happened with the camera flash and was able to use that as well. Um, that's you know, part even of his
2: life. he's got to be yeah. one step ahead and smarter than because that's that's like when he get when they get pulled over and they, the officer asks for the ID and she's just like no because like she can she has the the, the power and the privilege to be able to do that and he's just like
1: I'm just well yeah he away. immediately he's is like getting his thing. ID out. Yeah, he does the smart his, thing like, yep which there's another scene that very very different when you think about it she she wasn't sticking up for him no because it was she was right preventing thing. him
3: from being known
1: yeah exactly. she just didn't want a paper trail which then makes me wonder are there reports of people going missing in the area especially young black men so is that cop at in any way like thinking about that
3: there there were the missing uh posters at the
1: was that was that the uh, police center when,
3: uh, yeah, was
2: that what that the okay. relief? Yeah, they had like so, a bunch of posters somewhere. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's oh, it's possible. Wait a the pictures at the end when she has now hung up all the pictures that were hidden in the closet. Yes, she's which a friggin psychopath.
1: That was another one. She had said uh, in an interview somewhere. It might have been on like a, a panel talking about the movie or something where she had, she would have so many people come up to her uh, asking if, if Rose really was in on it or wasn't she hypnotized by her mom or something. And Allison Williams is like, no, she wasn't. She's crazy. Are you kidding me? She put all the pictures up of all the men, like at the end yeah. of it, she's nuts.
3: Cuckoo bananas. <laughs> yeah. And she was Very going through so. NBA pictures to pick out the next person.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. one of them was Keegan Michael Key, by the way.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I did like that. Um, but yeah, she was already on to her next victim. Um, and I love the way the ending plays out because he starts, you know, a- after Walter shoots her and then sadly shoots himself, which totally could see that coming, but uh, she tries to get the gun back. Um, Chris takes it away from her and then she immediately goes back into the whole I'm sorry. It's me. You know, she's playing him again, I trying to, him. yeah. Which, of course, you don't buy whatsoever, and he didn't buy it. Um, but he couldn't kill her. I mean, she was enjoying it. So
2: yeah, he was. She was disappointed when he let go. She was like, "Wait, you don't want to choke me?" <laughs>
1: uh-huh. And part of that, I feel faced. like, oh, very cre- that yeah. She's, just, no, that, she's great. That face going to stick with me. She's phenomenal in this movie. Like, she really is. If it wasn't for Daniel Kaluuya, she would be the best thing in the movie. He's just that that little bit better than her throughout it. Um, But uh, I also think part of that was he talked about um, not, you know, how bad he felt leaving his mother to die cold and alone and how horrible that was for her and so i sort of read a little bit of like that's what he was doing to rose at the end
2: i feel like the mom when hypnotizing him kind of like inflamed the bad feelings that he had about that too like because the way she said it she was like you did nothing you didn't do anything and it was like Holy shit. You know how much how much how many scars, how many like, you know, scars have healed over for this poor kid to be able to live his life? Yeah. I don't even want to think and about then, it. And
1: then oh. It's funny because as bad as like all of that family are terrible. All four of them. <laughs> and they're all really really awful in different ways. And she comes off as the most sincere, her and Rose come off as the most sincere, right? Because she's apologizing for Dean. Dean's like laying it on super thick and going with, you know, my man and, and you know, all these slang terms he keeps using just makes him sound whiter. Um, and she's sitting there apologizing for him and all of that. And then she turns right around and hypnotizes him. And you're right, just opens up all that trauma again, plus putting him in the sunken place. Mm hmm. Which was a really cool visual. I I very much liked the way that was. Agree. Um, but that ending when the when the police lights and the car, and all you're getting is the the lights reflecting off of Chris as the car pulls up, and I mean my initial thought was like, all right, well now he's getting arrested because you know he's sitting there choking out uh, this white girl, and has just killed the whole family and burned the house down. So he's gonna get arrested. And that's a, that's how I thought the movie was gonna end until Rod, till the airport and Rod is standing yeah. there. It's <laughs> like okay, it's ridiculous, but I love it anyway. It's the best it way the movie could end.
3: the trope.
2: That's it really did.
1: Yeah.
3: Love it. The detective work. and it's he hunted him down using his TSA
1: skills. <laughs> TSA is on <laughs>
3: this. <laughs> and to be honest, like
2: even though it had like this lighthearted ending it wasn't necessarily happy because we don't actually know what happens after this. Who knows? That's true. Maybe the cops never know who he is and he just doesn't even like do anything or maybe they find him and they he has to be prosecuted like we just don't know. Maybe Rose isn't really dead.
0: They're they're never going to find him cuz remember <laughs> TSA handles things. TS yeah.
2: <laughs> Melon Farmer.
1: TS <S- laughs> Melon Farmer. <laughs> <Mellon> Farmer. <laughs> um jordan peele was asked uh before by if like universal ever wanted him to do a sequel and he's like yeah of course right after the movie came out and it did well they wanted a sequel um and he has said he's open to the idea of it but it would have to be done right he wouldn't just make a sequel to make a sequel and i'm glad that so far he hasn't and that he said that the movie doesn't need a sequel i don't need like
3: yeah i I don't even know how you would do one unless it's another part of the family.
1: The yeah. only way would be like other people involved, but then the question is, well, how many people were involved in the first place and how big does that get? And it could it could be really unruly pretty quickly. Huh. So At least he has a title already. Just <laughs> when I got
0: out, they pull me back in. <laughs> got
2: out. <laughs> yes, that'll be the sequel Got Out. I like that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Or Get Out Again.
1: <laughs> um, so Monica, you mentioned your favorite scene being the get out scene with Lakeith Stanfield, the camera flash, and all that. Where he and at one point he looks straight at the camera and kind of coming at it too, which is always disorienting. Um, Faye, you got a favorite scene in the movie?
3: Um, Not really. I mean, it, it's all kind of equal. There's nothing that really steps, that uh, pops out to me. Okay. I mean, there was the, the talking with the blind guy that was like, oh, this guy's actually really nice. He's he's buttering him up. Oh, never mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. A couple scenes later, that one all falls apart. But I do love that because, like I said earlier, it's you get this feeling like he is an ally. He's actually not... Not a terrible person. Nope. never mind. He is.
3: Yeah. I, I didn't see uh, him as an ally more of somebody as neutral, but then, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, in that, in that situation, he was an ally. Cause he's like, they're all idiots. They're ignorant. They don't know what they're doing. Sit down and talk with me. I know you, you know, or at least I know who you are and I'm not going to treat you like they are. Um, Dread. how about you? Do you have a favorite moment or favorite scene in the movie? Ah, well, I'm gonna
0: mention two because one I already mentioned, which is the police station uh, scene where, where <laughs> she just says, "I'll be right back," and it just cuts to two other people living there. Ah, yeah, just so good and funny. Uh, but probably the uh, hypnosis scene because oh, that only- just goes on, and you can see him like just you know making fun of it. Being, yeah, yeah, sure, and he's answering some innocent questions. But then you see his okay. face change, basically, but he keeps just replying, but his face changes and then mm-hmm. it just ends in, I can't move. And you they just zoom in on it and you can see the like way The way she sweat.
2: says it back to him too, like he says, I yeah, can't move. She's can't, like, oh. you can't move.
0: Oh, ah, and you can just There's see There's just the something fear.
2: about that. That's just ah. like
1: that. That whole scene is so great because like I said, it starts off innocent. And you kind of get drawn in. And like I said, it's, you know, he's sitting down with his girlfriend's mom who's scolding him for being a smoker and all this. And then as the scene keeps going and you realize, oh, she's already started hypnotizing him. He doesn't realize it. And then, oh no, oh no, she has hypnotized him. And you see like him struggling at the chair. And that's, we know almost before he does that he can't move. And then to have it end the way that it does with the, the sunken place. And that idea of as he's falling, that TV screen of reality, of what his point of view is, keeps getting smaller and smaller as it fades away. And then to wake up from that and not really remember what happened.
2: Yeah. And it be it's like a this
1: weird dream.
2: Cause then like, if you watch the movie multiple times, you're seeing every view of what's taking place, like mm-hmm. the outside and the inside. And that's terrifying.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you guys have mentioned some great ones. I'm gonna mention two others that I really liked, which is when they pull up to the house the first time and they drive past Walter, and she mentions, you know, the groundskeeper or whatnot. The next shot is the car pulls up in front of it, they get out, and we stay in a wide shot. And normally in a lot of movies, when, when there's a meeting of people for that first time, and like, especially the, the trope of taking your boyfriend or your girlfriend to meet your parents, you always get the close-ups and all the coverage and everybody giving the hugs and, and all that kind of stuff. And we stay wide the whole time, and in fact, panning back further and further, staying away from everything. I love the way that's framed, because it just keeps going. You're hearing all the dialogue. You're hearing it like you're right on the porch but the visual never gets any closer to it. And so the first time we meet Dean and Missy, we don't even see their faces. They're just little dots off in the distance. And then the very next shot, as they go into the house, flips 180 degrees, but the camera still stays away from them. It's at the back part of the house and sees them coming in the door. And then as they move into the next room, the camera pans itself side uh, to look through another doorway. I just love the way that was all framed because it gives you this weird discordant feeling. Like it's not what you're accustomed to in a movie when characters are meeting each other for the first time. So I really love that. And then when Chris does go outside for a cigarette in the middle of the night and he gets out there and the music changes and you, you, we had that weird forced perspective, like dolly move as Walter is in a dead sprint running directly at him is so, it's such a cool shot because it's just so unnerving. To sit there and watch Walter just booking hardcore at this guy and the Dolly move on top of that to really mess with your perspective, and then he just turns at the last second. And it's like, I okay, so that's that. just Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's Grandpa like... it's Grandpa basically just trying to get faster. Now that he has this new body, he's mm-hmm. just out every night sprinting, trying to improve his time. Um that became a bit of a challenge. They called it the get out challenge. You'd have, uh, and I think there was a movie, somebody, there was a movie set where people were doing that, where they'd have different actors come running at them. And then at the last second turn away.
2: That sounds horrible. I,
1: <laughs> kind of, but what were you going to say about it?
2: I was going to say that I remember that, like, as, you, uh, well, as you're talking about it, I'm remembering that from the trailer, like that was like one of the scenes that they showed. So, I at least remember that now. It's starting to come back to me from before watching the movie.
1: But yeah, it's like that type of stuff. It works because it, it's, it's strange perspective and it messes with you when somebody's coming straight towards the camera on top of adding in the kind of dolly move, the dolly zoom to it. So he's coming at you, but it, it doesn't feel quite right. So that was one that I really, really liked. Um, the whole movie is just so damn good. All the way through, but I did capture some audio. Yay! Because there's some some good audio moments for this. So, um, so many lines in this movie have double meaning in them. So many that I couldn't capture all of them, but this one was early on, uh, and I love this when this is in the apartment. Um, which the second time I'm watching it, the fir- the the very first shot of Rose when she's in the bakery looking at all the pastries and whatnot, and she she's got like just the the grin and the kind of crazy eyes. I'm like, oh, this this suddenly looks a lot different now than it did the first time, where it just felt like, oh, she, you know, how cute she's getting them pastries. Um, but then when they when they get inside, and he's packing and she's talking to him, and she di- she says this, and she says that to the dog. I got to pry something out of your dad.
2: I didn't hear that.
1: Nope. No. No. Nope. Huh? That's weird.
2: We could hear it in the be- before the show started. I remember. Uh, we'll try it again. You gotta pry something oh. out of your dad. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> she calls it. She calls him his dad.
1: Which is great, but like, I gotta pry something out of your dad. And the first time you are watching it, I-, I took it as like, oh, I gotta get info out of him. You know he's he's bothered by something but no she she also literally wants to pry something out of him like the top of his head so i liked that um i mentioned this one but it just it shows the level of uh what they're going through and how much they stage this stuff when she says to him
2: my dad would have voted for obama a third time if he could have
1: and she says that and one of the first things you know dad says to him is by the way I, I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could best president in my lifetime handstand." Like, Geez Dean just you know ease off the throttle a little bit like you know laying out a little too thick there.
2: That That's like a, a joke it's like a like I've heard that joke in other things mm-hmm. because it's like the way that like white people will be complacent with their you know with the problem yeah. of systemic racism and all that kind of stuff. So,
0: mm-hmm. some of my fun. best presidents are black.
2: But, but here, yeah, exactly. Some of my favorite. But I, I love that it's Bradley Whitford because, you know, all yeah. of the West Wing stuff and whatnot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's I, just really funny. Political. I, I know he was in that. I, I haven't seen West Wing, but I know oh. he is a big part of West Wing. So, um, then there's, uh, again, Rose, um, when she and this is early enough in the movie that i'm still believing her as like not getting why her parents are acting the way that they are and then she says this
2: how are they different
3: than that cop because
1: they're not and but that's her obviously she's still playing chris and really laying it on there but i just i'd like that moment um oh this you know i don't want to get chased off the lawn with a shotgun it's okay. It won't be a shotgun. it will be, be a bolt-action <laughs> rifle. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Totally different. Uh, <laughs> the dinner scene. Um, and just Rose. Rose says to her brother.
0: Oh, you realize you're coming off as like the world's biggest douchebag right now, right?
1: Yes. Yes, he is. And he's got the mustache to prove it.
3: Daddy does.
1: Because it's not God, really a mustache. He's got to wipe the dirt. Being... No, it does not, not Worst.
0: Worked.
1: He just has that He has that patchy facial hair. He never combs his hair. It's always like a mess. He just doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. And he is a terrible person. Um, I mentioned this line earlier, but it's a good one.
0: Uh, that's the basement. We had to seal it
1: up. Put
0: some black mold down
1: there. Which, I mean, it's a perfect way to keep people out of your crazy, weird uh, torture dungeon. Slash... Uh, Surgery room with candles. The candles were a bad idea, is all I'm saying. That burned his house down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And wood paneling, too. Um, I liked, the, okay, when, so after the moment with um, Logan and uh, that whole scene of Get Out. And then we cut to him coming out of the, the mom's office after she's, you know, done her hypnotism thing and put him back, quote unquote, correct. Um, then the dad mentions bingo. And that's a scene where, again, in the first time I'm watching it, it just felt like she doesn't want to have anything to do with what's going on. So she's going to get Chris and get out of there. But no, she's got to keep him away from the bingo so he doesn't see what's going on. The quietest um, so they, video
2: game ever.
1: <laughs> so, so they go, and during their conversation, when uh, I love this line from Chris, like you've
3: met Logan before. No, I don't
1: know Logan. I knew the guy that came at me. I don't know Logan, but I knew the guy that came at me. That was, oh, I love that a lot. Um, uh, this one says "want to." I don't know what "want to" is. So here we
0: go. Nothing I don't want to be doing.
1: Oh, right, Walter.
2: Nothing I don't want to be doing.
1: All right, creepy dude. Creepy.
2: Yep.
1: <laughs> you can you can stop with the crazy smile. Maybe just ease back on the nuts, there, Grandpa. Um, I got three clips of Stephen Root, and they're all from that last scene of his over the TV screen, but I just loved him. One is when he's talking to uh, Daniel about kind of what's going on. And he has a realization that Daniel doesn't really care about anything he has to say. And it's just, you can give a shit, right? (laughs) Which I just liked that. Um, Oh, this was from their first conversation. I'm sorry. Uh, This was right at the end of it. Shit ain't fair man. Oh, you got that right. Shit ain't fair. And it's not going to get any fairer. Um
3: not for him. But then
1: finally no. The the creepiest for me creepiest probably moment in it. I think it's just it's this line delivery from Stephen Root. I want your eye, man. I want those things you see through. Oh. It's just so creepy. Probably doesn't help that it's over the TV so you got the TV buzz <clears> in there too that cathode ray buzz and the shot was so up close that you could see the individual television pixels and it was one yep. of those old TVs so you could see each individual little red red green and uh, blue segment uh, and I I couldn't uh, go through this movie without capturing at least one bit from Rod. Yay. So, I got one I got one rod bit for you. Um and this was right at the beginning when he's talking to him on the phone and he's complaining about how he got uh he got chastised or something for patting down an old lady. Yeah. And then he says this. See, hey, wait, wait, wait. I know you
2: laughed.
3: But I'm serious, man. The next 9/11 is going to be on some geriatric shit.
1: Mhm. That um. was the Rod is great. I could have captured a lot more rod. Um but yeah. he's worth. He's he's worth watching the movie for.
2: Honestly, you should have wasted your one f bomb on his on his last line. <laughs> that would. Have been uh, worth it.
1: I mean, I probably I probably could have. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's it's that good. Um, Rod's great, and uh, he he makes he really elevates his scenes because that whole scene in the, the police office, uh, the police department is funny enough but he just makes it even better because he's so sincere and he really does care about his friend. Yep. But no, this is, uh, yeah, you really, really do. This is just a fantastic movie. I don't, I'm, I'm glad I finally watched it. I'm kind of mad that it took me so long to watch it, but man, for a directorial debut and, and first movie he wrote and the guy wins an Oscar for it. It is awesome that he won an Oscar uh, for best original screenplay, um, it's sad that he was only the fifth Black writer to be nominated. Because um, I think that's that's just wrong. But I'm, um, it's awesome that he won that. He could have, again, just like Daniel Kaluuya for uh, best actor, he was up for best director. Jordan Peele was, but he was also up for best director against like Guillermo del Toro. Uh, for The Shape of Water. And it kind of felt like almost like a lifetime achievement for Del Toro in a way. Um, But, I mean, this movie was up for like four Oscars, and it won Best Original Screenplay. Just impressive for your first film. So, now it just makes me want to watch more Jordan Peele stuff. Because I I hadn't seen Us or Nope. There you go. I need to see both. So, going to be doing that because damn it this was that Uh, good guess you'll have to wait a year I mean (laughs) 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 now that we've done this here
2: we can do this on the other show
1: yeah maybe we'll see Uh, no but this was this was great thank you Uh, thank the three thank all of you for coming along on this with me and and getting me to watch this one Um, but uh, I'm glad that we all really enjoyed it too Um, I think this is this is kind of I don't like the term elevated horror. I think I've talked about that before on this show. And I was going to kill you. Huh? Yeah. I
2: I hate that term. Don't even,
1: I don't like, I don't like the term because it makes it seem as though other things are beneath it. Yes. But
2: so I don't use the term,
1: (laughs) but what I would say is that this is a, the, the, there isn't camp involved in this movie, even though like Rod obviously is very funny but it's not campy and it has, it also has a very good story and message behind it that obviously plays a lot different uh, depending on your socioeconomic demographic. Um, But I'm, I love the, the fact that a movie like this gets made and can get messages like that out there and get people at least thinking about some of that kind of stuff. Um, and I want to see more stuff from from young directors. I want Jordan Peele to be uh, 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 what is the word I'm looking for here? Inspiring other young directors and uh, young creators, especially creators of color and marginalized groups to do more projects like this because obviously it can be done. And he's really good. And I want to see more stuff like this. I also like that Blumhouse was... Uh, the production company behind it. They have been putting out overall pretty good stuff. So it's just really cool to see. Uh, And I like that. So thank you guys for watching this with me. And uh, thank you everybody for listening in. Um, If you enjoy this show and you enjoy our conversations, we all do a show together about horror movies. Wicked, you want to tell them about that? Yeah.
2: Yes, we do a podcast called Gore. It comes out about uh, twice a month or bi-monthly or whatever way you want to say it. And you can uh, check out all of that stuff at gorepodcast.com. You can find episodes, what movies we've covered, links to all of our social media and whatnot, and uh, well, just everything. Everything.
1: Yeah, we just put out an episode on... It came out on Friday the 13th about Friday the 13th. That's one of our fun things to do every year.
2: Somebody, somebody, somebody has impeccable timing and planning. And I know. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So definitely yeah. gore Uh If you like this conversation we're having tonight, we, there's a little different structure to that. And we have our fun little list of 13 favorite uh, tropes and silly things in horror movies. Uh, we also do talk about, um, Upcoming stuff, uh, horror movies, books, games, things like that. Uh, It's a great show, and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Um, This show I record every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, live at twitch.tv slash tvstravis, and it comes out as a podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including YouTube, on Wednesdays. Um, And uh, you just search for Wait You Haven't Seen, or go to tvstravis.com, and uh, you can find the links for all of that there there's also links for the patreon which is patreon.com slash wyhs Uh, for as little as one dollar per episode you can support the show and other projects that i do get uh, access to my discord monthly movie nights uh, as well as first looks at certain projects uh, as they come available so you can find all that at tvstraps.com and we're all back next week october's not done Uh, And we love horror anthologies. So we're going to do another horror anthology next week.
2: That I hope everybody likes.
1: Well, we'll see. It's Tales of Halloween. Um, I have not seen this one before. So this will be my first time watching it. Uh, Same. Oh, good. At least I'm not the only one. Um,
2: As long as I get Faye to like it, I'll I'll feel like I won. (laughs) Or at least like one of the pieces of it.
1: <laughs> well, if you want to know how that all turns out, you'll have to come back next week and listen to the episode as we talk about tales of Halloween. I cannot wait. Um, wicked, where can people find you other than Gore podcast?
2: Oh, you can follow me on Twitter, Twitch and blue sky at wicked 13.
1: Excellent. Dread. how about you? Ah, Easiest is just to
0: go to the dreadzone.com and you'll find linkages to all my linkages. I
1: don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> linkages to all your linkages. Perfect. Faye?
3: Uh, on Twitter at ChibiFaylin.
1: Perfect. And I'm on all the socials as TV's Travis. So uh, until next week in Tales of Halloween, thank you guys for being here. Let's do it again. Um, I can't wait. I love horror anthologies, I think it's a great way to do horror stories. Uh, Short stories always work so well, so I'm looking forward to this one. Um, But until then, remember to enjoy your movies. Uh, This has been Wait, You Haven't Seen. Let's be excellent to each other.
3: I told you not to go in that house.
2: That was still a good one. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>